The Outlet. The Talk of Southland. Welcome to The Outlet, your interview podcast for Southland. Alison Balance is a zoologist, writer and broadcaster. Now, Alison has written 30 books, including her latest, Takahe Bird of Dreams. We talk about the discovery of the Takahe after being declared extinct twice, the Takahe Recovery Programme, and what the future looks like for one of New Zealand's most intriguing native birds. Hi Alison, welcome to The Outlet. It's delightful to be here. Now Takahe have been declared extinct twice. Could you please share about the moment in 1948 when Geoffrey Orbell found a small population of Takahe living in a remote valley in the Murchison Mountains of Fiordland and how significant that discovery was for New Zealand's Endangered Species Programme? Well, let me just start off by saying it was extremely significant, but let's go back to 1948, to November 1948. Geoffrey Orbell was an Invercargill doctor and he had been fascinated with Takahe since he was 10 years old when he'd seen a photo of a specimen of Takahe in the Otago Museum. There were only four specimens at that time and his mum said, oh, that bird is probably extinct. And as a 10-year-old, he went, how could it possibly be extinct? That's a terrible thing. And so he became just fascinated with what he called his bird of dreams and he dreamed about it and he imagined looking for it and finding it. And you've got to remember that, as you said, Takahe had been declared extinct twice. So it was discovered in 1847, first described for some bones, and then there were just five birds found on the South Island in 50 years. And so by the time 1948 rolled around, no one had seen one for 50 years. But he had plotted all the sightings of the birds that he had ever come across and on a map of Fiordland, and he thought, if I'm going to find them anywhere, it will be in the Murchison Mountains. And he was also a keen hunter, so he decided that he'd combine a hunting trip with looking for Takahe. So on Easter that year, he took two young friends, Neil McCrosty and Rex Watson, and they went in hunting. And in what's now called Takahe Valley, they heard some strange bird whistles, which they described as like someone blowing across a 303 cartridge. And they found some footprints in the sand on the beach, which they didn't recognise. And they were quite big. And Doc Orbell, as he was known, was convinced it was Takahe. He scratched the size of the footprints on the stem of his pipe because he said that's the one thing that never left his mouth and he would be unlikely to lose it. And he was convinced it was Takahe. The experts still weren't quite so convinced. But in November that year, on the 20th of November, he went back in with Rex and Neil and with young Joan Telfer. And they left Teano at dawn and they climbed up through this steep beech forest into Takahe Valley. And when they arrived at what's now called Lake Orbell, they saw two Takahe just wandering around out in the open. I think they stood there for a minute or two, gobsmacked, basically. <laughs> and then they brought a fishing net with them, and they rounded these two birds, who were completely tame. They'd, these are birds that had never seen a person, rounded them up into the fishing net, tethered them on the beach, took some movie footage, took some still photographs, ate their lunch, and then even though it was only 9.30 in the morning, raced back down the mountain to basically drive as fast as they could back to Invercargill to get the photos developed. And they told the Southland Times, and then the story went global. It was headlines around the world. 
Like you just can't imagine how much excitement this rediscovery caused. So what is it about Takahe and their story that inspired you into writing Takahe Bird of Dreams and about the Takahe Recovery Program? Well, Takahe Bird of Dreams is a bit of a sister volume to an earlier book I did called Kākāpō, Rescued from the Brink of Extinction. And I just had this fascination with these giant, flightless, herbivorous birds. And if you just pause for a minute and think, they are the two surviving birds that we have out of a group. We used to have lots of them. Think of all the more we lost. So these are two incredibly special and unique birds that are only found here. And both of those species have flirted with extinction. And they just both have such gripping stories. And it's like, why wouldn't I write a book on Takahe once I've done the Kākāpō one, quite frankly? And so it's the bird itself. It's this amazing history. And in the terms of Takahe, there's this incredibly compelling 75-year conservation story. It's been a roller coaster. You know, things get a bit better and then they get worse. And then they, so the, you know, you're trying to bring the species back from the brink. All of those elements make a fabulous story. Yeah, and it's good that you mention that because there were different approaches considered for the Takahe recovery program. So what were some of the key factors that influenced these decisions and what were the ultimate outcomes? Oh, so much has happened in this program and was tricky even just fitting it into one book. So there was an initial focus on let's keep these magnificent birds in the wilds of Fjordland, which is remote and a difficult place to work. And there was the realisation that deer were having a profound impact on the health of that subalpine ecosystem. And so that was in turn affecting the Takahe. So they started lots of deer culling. They even tried aerial top dressing with fertiliser just to see if that would make the tussock grow a bit better. What else was there? There was an early attempt at captive breeding, mostly based at Mount Bruce in the Wairarapa. Then they decided that they would try that a bit more seriously starting in the early 1980s and they switched efforts to Burwood near Tiano and they were getting excess Takahe eggs, excess Takahe eggs being Takahe lay two eggs, they generally only raise one chick so if they got two fertile eggs bring one of them and raise them in captivity. They tried doing that for a while, they were producing excess birds, they tried to start a new population in the Stuart Mountains in Fjordland and then they decided that wasn't working so they started founding new populations on islands. And that's remarkable when you think about it, this bird from the Fjordland Mountains. You could stick it on an island like, let's say, Tiritiri Mātangi in the Hariki Gulf, which was a, a former farm, and the Takahe did just fine. And then they've refined the captive breeding over the years, so they've had to really work out all these aspects of things, which often have set other endangered species up quite well. But, you know, they tried it first with Takahe, and then they would try it with other species. The Takahe is described as a uniquely colourful and dignified bird, and I've been lucky enough to go to Tafatanui Regional Park. And, you know, the Takahe are just wandering around the car park like nothing's ever gone on. And you, you kind of stand back and think, crikey, people seeing these birds don't realise they've been declared extinct twice and how lucky they are to see them. What are some of the unique appearances and characteristics that make them stand out from other New Zealand birds? Well, if you've seen one, like you've been lucky enough to, and I do think you are incredibly privileged to be able to see a Takahe. I mean, what a treat. They are incredibly striking birds. They are big. You know, they're about three kilos of bird, and they, they've got a lot of heft to them. They've got that huge red bill, a big red frontal plate above it. They've got red legs worthy of a rugby player, and their feathers are this beautiful blue with hints of turquoise and they've got like a green cloak draped across their back. 
So they're incredibly striking. And as you say, they just wander around. They get accustomed to people very quickly. So it's a little easy to get a bit blasé about them, I think. But I think every time you see one, the fact that you can sit down and just hang out with this bird that was, you know, as a giant, flightless, herbivorous wonder of the world, um, that's a remarkable thing to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're lucky enough down there too. Uh, Tafalanui has kiwi as well, so it's just an incredible place. And as you say, to see them wandering around, they are—they are quite stocky. You could imagine what they'd be like if they were a lot bigger. They'd be more like a mower with a bit of a shorter neck, I'd imagine. I think you're right. How are predators like stoats and other introduced species affecting the recovery program? And and what are your feelings for the future for the takahe? Well, stoats, I have to say, are very bad news, and they discovered that to their cost. The the Department of Conservation's Takahe Recovery Program had always suspected stoats were bad news. They thought they might kill chicks and juveniles. 2007, there was a massive stoat plague in the Murchison Mountains, and they'd lost 43% of their adult takahe. So an adult takahe is much bigger than a stoat, but stoats are just the ultimate killer. So they run a massive trapping program in there. They're producing lots of takahe these days from a very successful captive rearing program now at Burwood which need homes, and so basically, I think the future of Takahe depends on predator-free 2050. We need lots of big areas of grassland and tussock where there are no stoats, ferrets or feral cats, and then we could just leave the Takahe to do their own thing. It's a wonderful book. There's some beautiful photos in there too. How did you go about getting all those photos? I got in touch with a lot of rangers who'd worked with Takahe over the years and hunted them down, and they dug out slides from their basement and... I just basically talk to anyone who might have Takahe photos. So you can buy the book at all bookstores. Where online can you buy it, Alison? Pretty much any bookseller is online these days as well. So something like Whitcalls and Paper Plus, Mighty 8, Fish Pond. You can go direct to the publisher, which is Potton and Burton and Nelson, and that's pottonandburton.co.nz. Well, thank you so much for all the work you're doing for New Zealand native species of birds, and it's just a wonderful book, and I really appreciate you having a chat today. I am always happy to talk about Takahe. The Outlet from your Southland app. Thanks for listening to The Outlet. The Outlet is produced and published by the Southland app and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. The Outlet is available on the Outlet button of your Southland app and wherever you get your podcasts.